Gratitude That's my everyday What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode, a very special episode of Quantum Coffee. For those of you that have been following my journey, you know I have two podcasts. I am merging them. So Life Beyond the Game is starting. I'm going to start putting those athlete conversations under Quantum Coffee and really focused on you know, the, the healing journey that these athletes are on. Uh, it's something I'm very passionate about because I've uh, been on my own healing journey. And part of the intention of this podcast is to really inspire others to show up and question their own stories and do this deep healing, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally and spiritually as well. And today's guest is one of my favorite conversations I've had to date, and it's really cool. His name is Jake Plummer. If you don't know him, he had a 10-year career, uh, went to a couple Pro Bowls, just really successful um, quarterback. And I remember watching him when he played for the Broncos and went to the AFC Championship game one year. And so it's really cool to have someone that I looked up to uh, so much as a, as, a, as a kid and to have a conversation with him and then him to share his... Uh, his own journey towards healing. Um, it's very kind of similar to mine as far as like, you know, how we kind of transition, obviously very different journeys, very different experiences. Um, but kind of the healing journey he's been on and then connecting to this spiritual growth as well and working with, uh, different sacred plant medicines and really, uh, discovering deeper parts of himself. Um, and just doing this healing, not just physically, uh, physiologically with the brain, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as well. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite conversations I've had. Um, really grateful for Jake for coming on and being so open and vulnerable. I hope that you guys get something out of this podcast. Um, I know you will if you listen with an open heart and an open mind. Jake definitely is continuing to inspire me and I look up to him so much. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to collaborate with him. Um, for those of you that are interested in diving into what I'm working on, um, Go to theheartcollective.com. It's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. We are re-envisioning our direction and getting a lot of clarity on what we're offering the world and really excited about, you know, the transition that's kind of taking place and getting really focused on the value that I want to add to the world and the work that I want to do and, you know, really focused on being the leading resource for deeper healing and growth for former elite level male athletes. And uh, part of that is putting out this really valuable newsletter and we're going to redevelop and kind of we're blowing up the website. We're redoing it. So there's just going to be a place where you can just really have a resource to discover deeper parts of yourself, uh, different healing modalities, tips, tricks, masterclasses, all of this amazing content living on our website. Go check it out. Theheartcollective.com. And before we get started, uh, if you feel called to support this podcast, which I hope you do, if you've been listening to these um, an easy way to do that for free is to stop right now and go leave a five-star review, say a few nice words. It takes a few seconds and it's literally the only thing that helps get exposure and, and higher rankings for podcasts, I guess, is these ratings. And so it would be a huge help. I know I get a lot more people listening to this podcast than I have ratings. I don't know why. Uh, it's just like pressing a like button. And if you like it, go leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you feel like diving deeper into really supporting this podcast financially and having access to premium content, like extended episodes, you can do that now. There's a link in the show notes. It's $7 a month, cost of a cup of coffee from Starbucks. That's it. And you can support me and this podcast and, you know, continuing to get bigger guests on and deeper conversations and really just trying to share the world and experience and wisdom with you so that you can reach higher levels of awareness and success in your own life. Uh, $7 a month, you're supporting this podcast. If you don't want to do that, just leave a five-star review. And other than that, just sit back and enjoy one of my favorite conversations I've had with Jake Plummer. Jake, what's up, brother? How much, Joe? How you doing? I'm doing so good. I've been really looking forward to this uh, conversation for a while. Uh, excited to chat with you about your journey uh, and share it with the audience. Um, let's get let's get people caught up. So so maybe share a little bit about about your journey, who you are, and we'll set some context um, for for the conversation. Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm sitting on a deck in North Idaho where I spent part of my youth growing up in the summers at my dad's uh but i was born and raised in idaho and on my way to asu and through asu going to school playing ball made it into the nfl and you know all the things i thought i might do like travel the world and 
do some stuff when you're young and carefree with no bills, no jobs or nothing didn't happen. I got thrust right into the, to being the face of a franchise. So, uh, 10 years in the league and some amazing memories, met a lot of amazing individuals, did some amazing stuff and, uh, retired before my time, as people would say, but I retired when my time, not on other people's time, which was the key for me mm-hmm. and, uh, retired and, uh, Got, got married soon after that, moved up to North Idaho onto some acreage to get away from everybody. And uh, as I realized, that's not the best thing to do to get isolated. Uh, but as, as time went and, and the healing starts happening with your body, your mind, and getting out of the game of just uh, evolved into being a dad now with uh, three kids and uh, doing a couple fun things uh, business-wise and otherwise just on a, on a journey to, to live a better life and to be as good as I could be. Yeah, um, beautiful. That's kind of a quick synopsis, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the overview. It's it's the intro, and uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll kind of drop in and, and dive into a little more detail. Uh, you, you said you know, getting drafted. I think second round pick to the Cardinals, and yeah, you know, especially in the position as a quarterback with all this kind of limelight, and you do get thrusted into being the face of the franchise. Not in, in the NFL. It's not just like the team, the organization. It's the city, and it's just such a huge like weight on your shoulders. How did you? process that at such a young age and how did that evolve through your first few years? Is that something that really was, was a challenge? Yeah. You know, it was, it was very challenging for three years at ASU. We were mediocre. We, we kind of, we almost made it to a couple bowl games. And then my senior year at ASU, we had a, a phenomenal season. We went undefeated. I was a Heisman, a Heisman trophy candidate. We beat the Cornhuskers at home and were thrust into the national limelight uh, top four team in the country. So that's when things really just like blew up. Uh, this dream of, for me, I, I never really wanted to be famous. I just wanted to go play football and win a Super Bowl. And it, I didn't realize that with that came a lot of fame and everything that comes with that, all the responsibilities of eyeballs on you and people watching you and people wanting piece of you uh, and just, just having to be you know, pretty impeccable and be able to, to handle life and handle it well. And I was, I was raised really well. I was, I was thankful to have a great solid foundation around me. My mom uh, raised me and my two brothers. My dad was a a small part of that. As I said, we spent time with him in the summers, but we had a really solid family unit that really taught you to be grounded and be real and be honest. And so that year, my senior year, I became, you know, pretty well known in the Valley and around the country and getting drafted into the same city Mm. Uh, there was a lot of expectations, but it was also pretty smooth transition. I didn't have to go move. I didn't have to relocate across the, you know, the country or, or try to find new friends. I had a great support staff right there and, uh, you know, got to get drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, which in the history of the NFL, they're one of the longstanding families that kind of built this league. So the only bad thing is they hadn't won many ball games, but for me, that was all right. That's why I went to ASU and I was just fine going to the Cardinals who had been pretty lackluster in the Valley. They hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time. And, you know, for me, I went to ASU to change that, to have people understand, Hey, the Sun Devils are a team that we should think about. And then getting to the Cardinals, it was the same way. Hey, we haven't made the playoffs. Well, hell let's go, let's make it to the playoffs. So it, it was interesting. It was a definite, uh, it was an eye opener to be now put into this position. Uh, I, 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 Kind of got in a little bit of trouble coming out of college, was uh, accused of some stuff at a nightclub. So that really was an early lesson in my life of like, people are watching you mm. all the time. People see you, people know you, no matter well, that's what That's before you do. social media and everything too, huh? Yeah, Can you man, imagine I mean, what these kids was, go through nowadays? Oh, I, my friends laugh. They're like, man, you would have been throwing cell phones across the bars <laughs> and throwing them out of places. I'm like, yeah. I would have, because I just don't, I think you're, you know, people just don't respect that, not privacy, but it's more like the, uh, the, the space, you know, your own persona, your own, mm. uh, you know, body, your own person. People just think they can take that and put it on whatever they want. It would, it would be a struggle today yeah. to, to deal with, with being in that, that much limelight to have people with their phones and everything. But I felt like I dealt with it pretty well. It, it definitely, um, you know, the little bit of the incident that I was involved in, woke me up to like, Hey, be careful. Just Mm -hmm. be real aware of who you're with, where you're at and exactly what you're doing so that, you know, you don't get in trouble or you don't, you know, do something silly and waste this opportunity in front of you. So that was kind of a tough thing, but it helped me grow up quick. 
And uh, then I, you know, getting thrust into being a starter as a rookie. Like I said, I wanted to go travel Europe with a backpack for like six months and like be free of everything. But I got thrown into, you know, starting for the Arizona Cardinals halfway through that year and never looked back. Started 10 straight seasons and uh, or after that, nine years after that, started each season and, and played a lot of ball. So it was a good transition, but definitely, um, you know, you reach your dream, you reach the place where your dream can come true and all of a sudden it's real. And so that was, that was fun for me. Yeah, it's cool. I love, I just want to share, like going to Arizona State when they weren't a very successful team, at least at that time, and you bringing them to the limelight and like really shifting the program around. I mean, that's, that's something I really, I went to UNLV, which is a smaller school. And that was like my vision too. I loved being the underdog. And you know, the, the coaches at the time were like, you have a chance to really shift this program around. And so my visualization was like, we're going to go from this shitty team into this really amazing team, but it's a little bit more challenging as an offensive lineman to make that big yeah. <laughs> on a team, you know, being a quarterback and really showing up and really having the ability to shift a whole team's culture around uh, is really, really quite special. Were you able to shift that, that, that team around in Arizona? Did you guys ever make it to the playoffs? What was that journey like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to just being a freshman at ASU, uh, but you know, what, what kind of mindset I brought into the situation, you know, we, I was a freshman. I ended up starting as a freshman halfway through the year a true freshman. And so I was really young and green and didn't have a clue about ball, but we lost the game. I think it was, we lost to Cal at Cal and on the way back home, the plane ride wasn't the way I expected a, a game. We should have won. I, I wasn't expecting people to be that like, okay with it. Mm. And so I stood up in the team meeting and I said, you know, Hey guys, this is, this is, you know, the seniors last chance here and we got a damn good team. So I think we should take it a little more seriously. And I didn't have anybody tell me to do this. I was just like, I was pissed because I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? If these guys are laughing about a loss, I didn't come here to lose. Mm. So, you know, the seniors that are, you know, around ASU, a couple of them, Gene Boyd's one of them, they, they laugh at that because they were like, wow, he didn't care about himself. He was caring about us and the team. And so we ended up, you know, that was, that was a big moment for me to become the leader. And then same thing in, in with the Cardinals, you know, I, I, I had to step up and, and just kind of say to people like, Hey, this is ridiculous. We're, we're a good team and, and kind of take the reins as another, as young, again, coming right out of college, four years in, in, in ASU and then into the NFL where you're leading grown men that are, you know, have been around a long time. Lomas Brown have been in the league for eight, nine years. And, you know, these guys are like, wow, I'm in the big league now, but I had to put all the, my fears aside and just step up and with confidence, not being cocky, but being confident and say, Let's go. What are we here for? This, who cares if our owner doesn't like to spend money? We can work our asses off and become a good team. And so that's kind of what we did. And in 98, we, we ended up making the playoffs. And that was the first time in 15 years that the Cardinals had made the playoffs. And then we beat the Cowboys down in Dallas. And that was kind of the end of their dynasty. And it was the first playoff victory in 50 years, <laughs> 50 years for the, for the Cardinals. So you know, I didn't win a Super Bowl, but I kind of sometimes I talk about that year as almost like being a Super Bowl level mm -hmm. year for that organization just because they needed it bad. They were about to be relocated to L.A. They were voting on a stadium and, and we had a, a remarkable season that we just didn't win games. We won them in fine style too, coming from behind yeah. a cardiac cards. So that was really, oh, wow, second year in the league. We're in the playoffs. This happens all the time. And then, you know, four years later, I'm, I'm, I haven't been to the playoffs at all and we've just the team crumbled and the management wasn't doing well. And that's when I got a chance to go to the Broncos, but yeah, it was a great opportunity to go and again, take an organization that had no hit. I mean, history way back, but had been pretty bad for years and, and kind of put my stamp on it, being the leader of that team, not just me, but being able to lead the guys around me. And uh, you know, that was what, what my talent was, was to make guys around me kind of, believe you know more than anything mm -hmm. like put your power of thought is, is such a huge thing but believe in the in the where we're heading here and let's put all our thoughts in the same direction and see what good things come out of it yeah, uh, yeah just dropping in man as a, as a center i would i really would have loved to play with you because you know all the all the quarterbacks i played for and just the the, the amazing athletes it's that the the, the the specialness of showing up and leading and really inspiring everybody because everybody wants to win. And it's like, everybody's kind of waiting for that person to step up and just kind of rally the troops and to be a quarterback, to be able to do that and really like expect more of people, especially in the NFL, like they want to show up. And so if you just kind of call them out and, and draw that out of them, you can really galvanize a team. Um, and it's really fascinating too, because you know, my rookie, I played at UNLV. We didn't have a winning season my entire time. 
I hadn't been to a bowl game in like 20 years at that school. And I went to my rookie year in Atlanta and we went, we went like eight and two and we just went on this winning streak and everybody, like all the older guys and this older team were just having so much fun. And you know, in the NFL, it's like the momentum is such a thing. You know, if you're going in and losing games, it gets really hard to go into work and it's not fun at all. But if you're winning games, it's like the pressure's released all, you know, the, the coaches are, are all happy and it just makes the environment. And I remember um, the, the, the starting center at the time, he's like a 13 year vet. And he's like, Joe, it's like, this never happens. He's like, enjoy this. And so we like had a really good team my first few years. And then the rest of my career, it was like really realizing how challenging it is to win football games yeah. in the NFL. And I remember watching you when you did play for the Broncos when I was younger and, uh, and it really enjoyed. So talk a little bit about the transition into the Broncos, kind of the difference between that team and that phase of your career. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, I, I, I don't, like speaking any in any you know ill will towards the cardinals at all i mean they drafted me paid me an extreme amount of money that i never thought i could ever make and never really played for the money it was just i loved the game and, and the money was a byproduct of that so uh like i said we struggled there for a few years with the cardinals and at, at the end of my four-year contract my sixth year in the league you know they were pretty much they didn't even try to really sign me. They just kind of, they made a little weak offer and said, you know, we know you're wanting to leave. Had they come to the table, I might've stayed, but I was also, you know, with some of the moves they'd made ready to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And with the Broncos courting me and the Chicago bears and the history between those two franchises, you know, I was ready to move on and try a different city, uh, get out of Arizona where I'd been for 10 years and, and just moved to, to a new organization. And when it came down to going to the Broncos, it was just because, I felt I had the best chance there to win a Super Bowl. And sure enough, we, we made the AFC championship game in 05 and lost or else we would have been in the Super Bowl. And that would have been, you know, the year I was going to retire was that after year nine. Right off in the sunset. Of holding the, yeah. I was hold, had visions of holding the trophy saying, thank you. I'm out of here. Uh, Cause you know, I didn't want to play for 15, 20 years. It wasn't, that wasn't, you know, the way I envisioned my career going. And as your body, as you know, gets broken down and you know, you're on, you're on, uh, taking anti-inflammatories the whole season mm-hmm. and those make you feel pretty shitty. And you just end up, you know, you feel your body as a, as a young man aching and hurting every day. And you're like, wait a sec. And you don't think about, Oh, I can heal. But that's, that's what really got me thinking towards year nine that I wanted to be done. So I got 10, 10 in, I got four with the Broncos and that organization was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Bolin, you know, I read some stat in 30 years, they'd won 300 games. And it's like, that's, that's Damn. the kind of organization that, you know, they don't just win by chance. They win by deliberate uh, dedication to the team, to their players. And that was what I loved about Mr. Bowl. And he's like, you guys are the team, whatever you want, you mm-hmm. just come ask me. And so the team would, you know, we had great leaders there too. Al Wilson, Rod Smith, John Lynch came into the fold. You know, Tommy Nalen, you know, you know, probably know some of these guys. They were just, we had an amazing core group that they, that they kept together. Uh, mm-hmm. Where in Arizona, they seemed to let these core guys go because they were going to cost more than they wanted to pay or they just didn't fit into the salary cap where the Broncos would make, you know, I, I, I structured, restructured my contract a few times so that we could keep guys around that I knew mm-hmm. were part of that, you know. Yeah. equation to go win and so fascinating the business side have, of it right like the the the, the yeah, people yeah. making these big time decisions they don't really understand what it takes to create a team there's like the business side of it and then there's like the football the energy the culture and really keeping those teams together that are really successful and gel and the importance of creating that environment and it's fascinating all these different organizations how the people that are successful year in and year out it's it's such a deeper thing in the the front office and they, they understand it's about the players the players are the money makers like what can we do to make them better and it's not about yeah. them and there's just such an egotistical kind of battle in a lot of these teams right it is it's interesting i mean just to go from you know as as you learn as you grow up in the league there were times i i kind of wish that i put my foot down more mm-hmm. realizing not to use abuse my power but to use it for my team because you know, uh, I was told early on, I mean, there's the owner of the team, he's number one. And then basically you go down the line, it's the quarterback is number two. I mean, they'll fire a head coach and keep a quarterback around. So if you're good enough and you have what it takes, you're basically number two or three on a, now they're multi, you know, multi-million dollar corporations, billion dollar corporations. Mm-hmm. So, um, you do, you do have a lot of power there, but, uh, you know, with, with the, decisions the Broncos made compared to the Cardinals. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of differences there. And I just really liked that. Like you said, you know, the players were most important. They knew if we didn't 
we weren't happy that we weren't going to go out and perform. And we had two 13 and three seasons. So that was pretty nice after having a couple three and 13 seasons with the Cardinals. Yeah. So I was all smiles during those couple of years. And it was a really lot of phenomenal fun. to yeah. have Tuesday, have, have Tuesday off. Yeah. Like Monday off guys. We'll see you Wednesday, you know, Monday, you don't have to show up unless you need treatment. I mean, those kind of things were made it, made it a lot more enjoyable in the grind. Yeah, no doubt. And before we dive into the kind of the transition out and, and the healing journey that is, you know, and, and the unique challenges that are faced with, you know, former pro athletes in that, in that journey, I really want to just kind of talk about, cause <clears throat> you know, I went to an NFC championship game too, in 2012, we played the Niners. We were up like 24 to three at halftime, ended up losing. And like, nobody ever really talks about the, the, the losing teams of the championship and they just mm-hmm. missed the Super Bowl. It's like, that's probably the worst experience ever. Cause it's like the Super Bowl is this, <laughs> this thing that every player dreams of. And most players, like 90% of players aren't ever even going to have an opportunity to play in that game. So talk about this, the, the defeat and having to process, you know, being so close to this, this really this dream that is kind of this crazy thing that is just, you just want to experience and then being so close and, and, and losing it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Cause it really is a childhood dream. It was a childhood dream of mine. Uh, it, it, you know, and as I grew older, of course, you know, my ego wanted to win a Super Bowl and wanted to have a ring and have bragging rights and all that. But as I got closer, I also was like, wow, okay, this is, this is, you know, you stamp yourself legit once you go and win a Super Bowl or you get there. So it was really, it was really hard to lose that game. Um, but like I said, I was close to retiring that year. I wanted, I'd already given it thought. No one else really knew at all. Um, I'd met, you know, my wife now I'd met someone that was, was, I was in love with falling in love with. So my life always was about football, but football never defined me. So, you know, getting to that point and, and getting that close to tasting that childhood dream, it was hard. I really wanted yeah. it bad, but I was able to, to get over it. I mean, I was, I was fighting some injuries that year. I had a really bad uh, pubic synthesis, like tear. So you I don't know if you've ever experienced any of that, but it's an extremely, <laughs> an extremely painful injury that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you can hardly stand up because it's so tight. And it's just, I, I was, I was hurting really bad. In fact, so bad that when the pro bowl came around, I was like, I'm out. I went to Costa Rica with my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife who I who later married, you know, I didn't want to go play football anymore. I was done. I could hardly move. And so that's when it really sunk in like, Oh man, how long am I going to do this? Uh, do I, I want to go win a Super Bowl? We got such a great team. And then, you know, things happened in in that next year that, uh, you know, kind of soured me to the game even more with, with them drafting a Jay Cutler and then putting him in late in the, or later in the year. We were seven and four. We had a great squad. I just wasn't doing what, you know, what I was being expected of to be perfect almost. And so it gave me a lot of perspective. And then I knew it was time to go. And after 10 years, I was good to go. Um, but yeah, I. I get a little sour once in a while when that AFC championship game rolls around. I'm like, damn, we were that close. Yeah. And I think we would have kicked Seattle's ass in the, in the Super Bowl. You know, they were a good team, but they weren't as good as we were. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I mean, that, that, that bad taste in the mouth, in your mouth that, that the NFL kind of puts on, on most players, right? I think it's this, you kind of start feeling like a, a used up commodity, chewed up, spit out. And then as soon as you're done, it's like kind of, they kind of let you out to pasture and it's like the next man up. And it's really hard to process that. And, you know, I had a very similar, obviously a very different journey and experience, but when I was coming towards the end of my career, it's like my physical body's beat up. Like I've made enough money to be financially secure. I'm really looking forward to like the next experience, freedom from the game, freedom from all this pressure. And then when I finally walked away, even though I walked away on my own terms, it was like the finality of it. And then I started thinking of, of the actual game that I love so much and not being able to ever play that again. And like the business part of it is what forced me to make that decision easy but then, you know, at the, over the year and two, you know, following that, it was like this grieving process of the love for this game that I love so much and kind of the bad taste that the NFL puts on it and maybe not me being able to reach the levels and, and winning a Super Bowl or the championship and all these expectations we have for ourselves. So talk about, you know, walking away from the game. You know, you said your identity was never who you were. It was something you did. And I, I was very much aligned with that, but it's still was a lot more part of who I was than I gave credit for. And then, it, you know, it made, forced me to go on this healing journey. So talk about the initial transition and kind of the following years on how you kind of process that and how you handled it. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a tendency to kind of, 
I'm, if I'm getting away from something or moving into the next phase is to almost forget about it completely and just shelve it. Peace out. I'm not going to think about you or, or deal with you much at all. And so football, I, I, I watched football a little bit. Um, but I just, you know, talking to friends that had, uh, were recently retiring also, and just kind of understanding, like I walked away from the game and no, not many players do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's very uncommon for somebody to leave the game and be like pursued by multiple teams. And Tampa wouldn't leave me alone. They wanted me so bad. Gruden wanted me to come down there. They held a spot on the roster. In fact, I've talked to a couple guys on the depth chart, the quarterbacks that were down there and they're like, damn, man, you weren't even here and you were above me on the depth chart. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, it was just something I was done at that point. Mentally, <laughs> physically, I was pretty beat up. And mentally, though, I was just done. I just couldn't go pour my heart and soul into the game. And then every Monday come in and just be chewed apart saying, you know, yeah, you were 28 to 34, but you could have been 30 to 34 for this much more and all this. I'm like, yeah, but we won, coach. Like, yeah, but we could have won by more. And I'm like, Mm. that's not me. I don't care if I win by one-tenth of a point. I just want to win. And so that part really drug me down. And so the the healing for me was just getting away from it. I moved up to Sandpoint, Idaho, got married, traveled around, you know, the world a little bit, experienced in other cultures. And and, uh, I didn't go on any journeys or any, like, spiritual work then, which, you know, thinking back, I kind of wish I had. Uh, but, but, you know, that was my path. That's where I was at. I played a ton of handball mm. and started playing handball tournaments. And that's where the camaraderie was met for me. You know, you're, I really just missed the guys. And like, mm. I missed having like that knowing on April 15th, this is where I'll be. I'll be at the facility working out until two. And then I'll do some film work and be home where you retire. And all of a sudden you're like, where the hell am I going to be in April? I don't know. I have no mm. plan. There's no like game plan set down. There's no weekly uh, goal in mind to go achieve. And so that was a hard, hard process there just to kind of get into your own flow. And then when junior say when he, when he killed himself, that was really, that really, really hit me hard. Like, Holy smokes. Here's a guy I'd met and I'd been around a couple of times. It just, he was so effusive and happy and so loving. And here he is having all these demons torment him so much so that he took his own life. Uh, you know, that was, that really woke me up to like, Holy shit. Okay. I better get on this and be careful and also start reaching out to some other guys, make sure they're okay. And so that transition, I didn't miss the game that much. I ended up getting back into doing a little coaching up at Sandpoint just a little bit before my, my oldest was born. And then I just, I don't know if I get into football, which I did again, doing some TV work, I find myself chewing my fingernails. I start having these dreams of, I can't, I can't find my shoes or my cleat. I can only find a bunch (laughs) of right footed cleats. Or I'm, I'm on the sideline and the game's starting and I'm like, I didn't look at the game plan this week. Oh my God, I don't know any of these plays. And then, you know, they're the PTSD, really. That's what it is for us on our own level. And so I, I don't stay away from the game, but I just don't dive that much back into football. And that's kind of how I transitioned out. It was, it's part of me and I love talking shop and I'll watch a game and pay attention here and there. But uh, for me to get rid of something that much, that had that much, um, importance in my life, I kind of have to just almost shelve it and walk away for a little bit. So that's what I did to really get through that tough time. And then watching Marcus Mariota for the Oregon Ducks play ball again kind of brought me back to watching college football mm-hmm. and thinking about how fun it would be to play in that kind of an offense with my skills. And so mm-hmm. football is good for me. I don't have a, a sour taste in my mouth from it. It set me up to live a pretty amazing life and also affect and help a lot of people that I love around me. And I feel like it was a gift to have in your hands to like meet people and, and inspire them or make them smile or have them walk away going, wow, he's a really good guy. That's really cool. And then it changes the way they, they see us as athletes, which, you know, a lot of people can see us as stuck up at, you know, jerks that don't want to give time. I always felt like you should share a little bit of that time. So I felt like I pulled it off. I'm, I have a level of, of notoriety that, that, you know, is comfortable for me. I can go around Colorado, even where I played going, Arizona is still a little crazy because of the ASU thing, but <laughs> it's okay. I mean, now, you know, you can relate differently being this far out of the game and mostly just, it's not so much that hard slaps on the back and pictures and autographs. It's more like, Hey, let's sit down and talk so I can look at you in the eye and see what kind of fan you were. Did you boo me? Did you cheer for me? <laughs> yeah, being able to really connect in that way. And I have a very similar similar journey. Like when I 
walked away from the game. I like walked away. Like I didn't want anything to do with it. Didn't watch the game. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is there's these such unique challenges when you play at such a hyper competitive pressure filled environment. And then it's a game you love. And then there's the business side of it. And there's all these different things that you have to process that it, it just really like getting away from it. And you talked about, there's a lot of, I want to unpack from what you just shared. Um, but you know, you talking about the spiritual journey and the spiritual healing and we'll, we'll kind of dive into where you're at with that now, but you know, you said you traveled a lot. And I think for me, travel is such a spiritual experience and it's such a healing experience, right? Because it, it opens your perspective. It gets you out in the world. It widens the lens of reality in which you live and you be able to connect and you feel more like a human in those experiences and not this kind of like person on a pedestal with all these expectations. And really, I think the key is to, to really start uncovering who you really are. And like, for me, when I first left the game, it was like, I was confronted with this existential question of who am I without this thing that has defined me for so long. And I wanted to go figure that out for myself. And so that's what led me on the van trip and traveling and connecting with people. And I wanted to know how to interact with reality without this kind of mask and this persona of being an NFL athlete. I wanted to know who I was behind all that. So talk about the importance of travel and kind of the, the connection you made with yourself on that journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I didn't travel alone. I traveled with my wife, which was great to have a, a, someone who had the same kind of motivation to go see the world, see different cultures. And, and like you said, you, you're uncomfortable in those situations, which give me one snap in my life in the NFL that I was comfortable in and I was taking a knee at the end of a game. Otherwise, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Every, every time the play comes in, you're in the hut. Every, it's, it's uncomfortable. And so getting into those uh, places like in Thailand, being the only, basically the only, you know, Americans, white people in this entire like area, as I'm looking around, you know, you just, you, you tap into a different level of trust and, and into intuition to know that, you know, Hey, I'm all right. We're not in any harm. And, but you could be, you just don't, mm -hmm. you don't want to even admit to that. And that's the same way I always, you know, went out about a game is, Hey, you know, we're, we're not playing great, but Hey, we're not down by that much. Let's go. We can flip this. Everything's going to be all right. So traveling was a lot of fun. Uh, getting to go into Europe, uh, getting to go to Machu Picchu, just mm -hmm. going to some places that were, you know, that I've always thought were, would be amazing to go to. And then to go to those places and, and just soak it in, especially being with, with someone that I loved and, and loved being with, which was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. The crazy thing though, you know, we <laughs> can't remember where I was going, but it was one trip and we, we get on this bus, this little tour bus. And I mean, for God's sake, we we're, I think we were down in uh, the Galapagos islands. And it's like, okay, I'm getting away. I got to the point where I had social anxiety bad, like pumping gas. I was, what's that guy looking at? Why is he looking at me? And he might not have been looking at me. I'm like, is he going to come ask me for an autograph? I just want to go. I want to go home. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Uh, I'm sitting on this bus with, with uh, my wife. And all of a sudden, here comes a guy with a Denver Broncos hat. Of all things, in the middle of where we're at, a Denver Broncos hat sits right in front of us and immediately, obviously, sees me and wants to start talking football. And I'm like, oh, I didn't come down here to talk football, but you can't – I couldn't say that. So, you know, it's, it, it, it follows you around. What we did will always follow us around. Um, but, but traveling definitely is a way to sometimes get away from that, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I can't, I can't imagine like having, having the kind of persona that you did and having to interact. Cause like the cool thing about being an offensive lineman is I can use the football card card when it's kind of beneficial to me. And like, it gets my foot in the door to a lot of places, but when I go traveling and stuff, nobody's going to really recognize who I am. So it's just right. definitely a different, different journey. And you talked about junior say taking his life. And you know, that's something I want to kind of talk about a little bit more because, and you know, me becoming really passionate about, uh, you know, being of service to this former athlete community, because we're such special individuals that have the potential to, to do so much amazing things in our life. And we get, there's just so much unique challenge that we face. And I think, you know, a lot of the, the CTE and brain trauma and this kind of the healing that needs to take place on the physical, but then also the environment, the connection, the stress, being able to, to really heal on deeper levels as well. And for me, and all that CT stuff. And I think junior say taking his life was like happening right in, in the middle of my career. And so it started making me question and it's created this underlying fear of, you know, when I get older in life, like what's going to happen to me, am I going to go crazy? And it developed this, and I'm actually grateful for it, reframing it because it's developed this, this desire to be proactive with my brain health, which has actually gotten me into more of these spiritual practices like meditation, learning, 
uh, traveling, uh, plant medicine, all of these things that literally are proven to create new neural pathways and neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, but then going in for that reason and then having it actually heal me, you know, emotionally and mentally and spiritually and actually widen my perspective. I'm really grateful that it's taken place, but talk about the importance of, of that healing journey being a, a former pro athlete and kind of how you've, um, you know, shown up in that way and in, in the process. Yeah, I think, gosh, to go, if I could go back into my career, um, with the knowledge I have now of how important, you know, I, I, I didn't break away from the game at the end of a season and go to retreats and meditate and, you know, use plant medicine back then. But if I could go back there's damn sure I would have, I would have left after, you know, all the seasons in Arizona being done on January 1st or 2nd with no playoffs, I would have been going to heal my body, heal my mind, get my, get, get my mind right. Uh, my meditation was just getting away from the game and, you know, playing golf, going into the mountains. Uh, but it, but it's really important. Um, I like how you said, you know, reframing the whole CTE and, and what damage you've caused to your body conversation with yourself, because that can actually embody you and, and you can create and, and buy into all these stories of, oh yeah, you got brain trauma. You're going to have dementia or you're going to forget your thing. You know, are you going to, you're going to commit suicide too? I mean, there's all these thoughts. Of course we all have dark thoughts, but um, getting into, I guess when I moved back to Denver about, it was probably about eight or nine years ago when uh, some old teammates of mine, Nate Jackson and Charlie Adams, a couple of my real good buddies were working uh, with a guy named Ryan Kingsbury who worked with Charlotte's web. And that's CBD cannabidiol, uh, you know, hemp oil basically. And so when I started using that, I realized that's a proactive approach to forgetting that, you know, why worry about what I'm going to be like when I'm 65, I'm 46 right now. How do I feel right now? I feel good. My memory's fine. Like you, I'm doing things for brain health, uh, investigating plant medicines that can not only be a supplement daily, but also can, and can supplement mental issues that you have or that you're holding on to and help you, you know, process those also. Um, you know, it's funny, there's not a lot of talk about CTE anymore or all this brain, brain trauma because the game has changed at the high level, but it's, it's not just brain trauma. I mean, we're, we're, we're damaging our brains playing. It's also just being in that, at that high level. How do you assimilate back into normal life where taking out the trash is something you have to do now, you know, going and mowing the lawn or, or taking your kids to school. If, if you can't relate to those in, in a grand way, then you'll never fulfill your, your yearning for greatness because we were the greatest in the, in the game. We were the greatest in the world. And so I think a lot of guys struggle with that and, and trying to find answers for engaging in the beauty around us and really, mm -hmm. you know, simplifying things and finding out, you know, the little things that do bring you joy to remember those things. Uh, that's been a real challenge for me, but it's also been fun to, to think back to when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, what I loved the most. And that's one thing I like to tell guys is, Hey, if you're struggling and you don't know what to do, think back to when you were 12, 11, 10, what would you do? Would you pick up a pencil and paper and draw a picture? Would you go out and throw pine cones at a tree or what would you do? Go do that again. And then try to tap back into that child, childlike persona we all have. Um, but, you know, considering the damage that we all went through and the, the, the mental damage, the physical damage, we can reverse that stuff. If we just use our brains the right way, if we find a way to, to tap into the power that we all hold inside, um, I believe that we can actually reverse injuries. We can reverse the aging process and uh, you know, power of the mind is amazing. I, I tell fans that all the time that, when I go to games in the Broncos, I, I, I started going to more games when I lived down there and I just go into the stands, you know, I was able to be just one of the fans sitting in the stands and it was super awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd sit down people would at first kind of wonder, and then they'd look like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, that's the dumbest question anybody's ever asked. Me. What do you think I'm <laughs> doing here? I'm here to watch the game? Just like you, you want to drink a beer? Cool. And they'd be like, all right, man. But getting, um, getting back into the game and doing that, it gives you that perspective, you know, of what we did was really amazing. What we did was top of the top of the game and uh, to go back and enjoy it. Cause like you know, we walked away, but a lot of guys didn't. So that's that mental anguish. A lot of them have to live with is that they weren't good enough yet. They were the best in the world. 
It's <laughs> such a weird paradox. I know. Like when you're, you're not good enough, you can't appreciate where you're at and how far you are. Cause you're always kind of, you have to prove yourself every single day you yeah. step into this. You're never good enough. But then you, you know, for me, like having space to reflect back on that, it's like, holy shit, I was one of the best in the world at this thing. Like how many people can really say that? Even though oh, my career man. wasn't exactly what I wanted to be and I didn't achieve all the greatness and win the Super Bowls and become the starter and make a Pro Bowl. It's like, I was literally one of the best in the world at this thing. And you can't really have that perspective when you're in it. It's, it's such a grind. It's so hard. And I think a lot of guys, they don't, they don't really have the tools to process that when they're done playing. Yeah, they don't have the tools or, or the you know, people around them to, to help facilitate that or to give them the freedom to do that. And I think like, what you're doing is, is phenomenal with the heart collective because you know, if you're in a relationship post career, you know, what's the, what are the stats? I mean, the stats say bankrupt, divorced, you know, after three years, most of these guys are struggling. Mm. Why? And it's because I don't think they feel the freedom they need to go really find out who they are. And they're scared to like embrace maybe a little bit more of a, a feminine side of themselves, you know, the yin and the yang and try to like match those two together and understand like we were in such a macho, male dominated kick your ass if you challenge me society that like that doesn't work in real life you know you can't go driving around getting mad because someone cut you off and want to beat them up i mean but that's how we're programmed so mm -hmm. the deprogramming is huge and that's where i believe that plant medicine um although it didn't play a part in my life just till a couple years ago uh you know i think it could be an extremely important thing for these guys to at least investigate at least have an open mind towards um, helping you process the whole intensity of, of life and, and, and your job of, of being in the NFL that can be over at the blink of an eye. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, what you said about, you know, go, driving back into when we were kids and like the innocence that we had, and that's really what we're all trying to get back to. And, uh, you know, the collectively society, you know, programs us into like what success looks like, what achievement looks like, what fulfillment looks like, what happiness looks like. And it's usually this consumer culture of more, 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 more. And that even, you know, that's, and that's such an acute microcosm with the NFL is like, we're so programmed and even a, a deeper, deeper level into all of this kind of hyper-masculine culture and environment that we grew up in. And it does take this this healing and this deprogramming and this reinstitutionalizing, especially for former athletes, and, you know, this spiritual connection and this connection to something that is greater than yourself and being able to connect with nature and the beauty of life and really understanding and knowing who you are behind the stories and the personas that you've created, you know, you've built up these identities. And I think that's what was so beautiful about the journey of leaving such a, an identity, because it really forced me to look at that story. And I think a lot of people they'll go through life never really having that acute experience of having to look at their identity. They think they, they identify with their job. They identify with their body, who they are, what they do. And they never actually ask those deeper questions. I think that's a, a real beautiful thing with the plant medicine and the journey I've been on with the psychedelics as well, is it really taps into and connects you into this deeper knowing that there is more to this experience than just the stories we've created. Talk about the importance of, of the spiritual connection and, and your own personal journey of, of connecting with that. Like, how was your, you know, spiritual connection and beliefs around God and the universe and how have they shifted, you know, as you've been on this healing journey and, and specifically with the, the plant medicines as well and, and how important it is to, to really develop that connection with whatever it is, like however you want to define it. It's, it and I think defining it really kind of takes away from it too. And that's sort of the problem with all these religions, but it's really however you define it is the thing that is greater than the self, greater than the ego, greater than the identity and the importance of connecting with that thing for yourself and your own personal experience. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this last couple, the last couple of years have been really uh, a, a big awakening for myself. And, you know, the listeners are, probably thinking, oh man, what a great life all these guys live, these post-career, they're athletes, they got all the money, they got the, you know, this, that, and the other. But we all have our own problems. We all face our own demons. We all work through life the same way and have challenges every day. I mean, that's, you know, there's no pleasure without pain. There's no love without hate. There's just everything that's out there. Although I shouldn't say that love really has no opposite. There's no opposite to love. And, um, you know, the spiritual part of it, I was raised uh, my, my grandma was a seven day Adventist. So I went to church until I started playing pop Warner. Then I got to get out on Saturday mornings because she was a seven day Adventist. So football was my get out from religion and then became my religion to some degree. Yep. But I was raised by my mom and we had a pyramid in our house and she was very, uh, she went on her own journey. Uh, as I said, my mom and dad split when I was about the third grade. So my mom did a lot of work and a lot of, 
you know, going into her past lives and like, she was very spiritual. Uh, and I, we used to kid her about it a little bit as kids, cause you don't really think about it when you're a young kid. Uh, but nature was always a big part of my life. I spent a lot of time in the woods and backpacking. And so that was always, I knew I could reconnect to that anytime. Uh, but now as I've come out of the, out of the league and transitioned, you know, like I said, 15 plus years out becoming a dad, a husband and, and a business owner and like learning what life really is about, you know, going on those, those, uh, the journeys with the plant medicine have been, I guess they've just shown me how small you really are and how, how, uh, big you can be though, you know, as in the universe, we're just, we're all passing through. And whatever you see God as, I believe, you know, we are part of God. We are God. We are uh, embodying the spark or the energy that, that runs everything. All, all matter, uh, you know, is, is partially space, 90% space. But we're different because our bodies like look like this, but a tree looks like that. So uh, getting into the, having the ability to get outside of your brain and the, the context that society wants us to be in and to live in and live through these design like rules and regulations on, on schooling your kids or, you know, marriage for one thing and how that should look and how society has defined that and being able to look outside of, of your own per person and to go into these, you know, I say like the third eye opening or the fourth mm -hmm. dimension to go look past ego, look past, you know, my house, my car and my money and this, that, and the other, and look at really what what really does matter and and that's that we're all here together to make this place a better place and we can choose happiness and we mm -hmm. don't have to we don't have to be miserable with you know when things happen unless you want to choose to be miserable you know you can choose to be happy and i think as i've transitioned into that i've looked back at my career a lot where you know i played a lot of games and we got our ass kicked but we had, we were also behind in a lot of games and i never gave up that positive thought of like hey we can win this and so it's kind of how i carry through now is life's challenges are going to come no matter what and mm. it's it's like no i'm not giving up i can win this i can get through this i can make something happen if i just kind of give it up to what what's already happening this path that we're on this this universe we're living in um some may say it's almost like a video game that's what i kind of like we're in a pre-programmed video game. We, I have takes the pressure reach. off, huh? <laughs> huh? It takes the pressure off when you, when you kind of have that perspective, like, oh, let's just play the game. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of, you know, I've, I've, this is one of the things I've come to recently doing some work with a friend of mine in Boulder. And it's like, you know, are we, are we really able to live in free will and choice? Yes. But I can choose to do this podcast and then someone can see it. And maybe that person reaches out to me that brings in some new aspect that I never thought of. How did that happen? Or was it already programmed and I just chose to go that way today instead of telling you, no, I can't do it today. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing. And you know, your lives are up there on the top and your score and like, I don't yeah. know. It's an it's interesting paradox, thing. right? It both is yeah. and it isn't. And that's what's beautiful. And, and we could talk and dive into all that. I just wanted to share. I had Nick Hardwick who played center for the Chargers for 11 years on the podcast. Yeah, and he, he did a really good analogy. He was just using all these football analogies to explain spirituality and the connection that we're talking about. And one of the beautiful things was like, we were talking about kind of past lives and like coming into this reality. And he's like, it's like, you know, a life is a game. So we go play a football game and that's one of our lives. And then we go back and what do we do? We go study the film. And so when we're like kind of outside the life, we look at the game, we say, how can we have done better? Where do we make mistakes? How can we grow? How can we improve? And then we have a game plan and then we go and play the next game. And like, although we have a game plan for the game, there's still kind of this, how does it play out? And I loved that analogy to, to, to define That's the football good. and the kind of the spiritual journey in the football terms. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's something you don't stop working on. And, you know, there's days where I'm extremely happy. There's days where I'm, you know, struggling with that. And I, I people want to say, well, you know, God, you've been through so much and, and, I can understand that, you know, most athletes do struggle, but, but why do we even say struggle? Why do we even call it ego and ego? You know, the, the communication and the words you choose to are so important on how you mm -hmm. can overcome these battles and fight them. Uh, not fight again, fight the word that means you're going to bow up and no matter what, that's an ego term to me. It's like, it's embrace it and understand it. And then to like move past it mm. but with determination. I'm not trying to be a better person, a better dad, a better husband, a better friend and all that I'm determined to be and like just choosing the right words uh, are so important on this journey 
and it's never over. And that's where I come. I, when's the final, like, when's the clock going to hit zero? And like you said, Nick just said it, the clock hits zero when you're like onto the next phase and onto the next body or next universe or whatever that <laughs> is. We're, we're just in it right now. Mm. And, uh, I don't even think I've reached halftime of my life yet. You know, I'm still totally. in the second quarter. Mm. And if you, you want to break it down into the games like that, then you know, I hope I don't have a career ending injury anytime soon that I can get through all four quarters as my goal and to see what, what I have to, to, to play back and look back on and watch and go, wow, okay, this is really an amazing journey I was on. Um, you know, I think as athletes, as, as you wield something special and I will, I wield it too, is the power of our minds to really mm-hmm. influence people in the right way and, and to first get yourself right. And then to be able to go and use that power that we all had, because if not, we wouldn't have made it to the top level and, and excelled like we did. Yeah. Tom Brady's messing it up for everybody in the world. Cause who's going to ever be another Tom Brady. Mm. And then now, now that's the level that you deem your success on. Well, I screw that, man. I was a phenomenally successful quarterback one of the best to ever play the game in my mind. And that's how you got to frame this. Mm-hmm. And so that perspective, that, that language you use is so important as you, you know, the journey never ends and yeah. the challenges never stop. It's just how you perceive them and choose, you know, like, you know, what I've been saying a lot lately is choose a happy outcome. You have the ability to do that, to choose and make things either be something that bother you or you learn from them and not let it be something that weighs you down. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of life left to live. And I think naturally when you start doing this, this deeper work and this deeper healing and this kind of widening your perspective, you naturally have this desire to show up and be of service to others. Cause you can see the suffering of the world and the pain and understand like it's there. How can we heal it together? Like I, I am going through it too. You're going through it. Like how can we show up and come together in this collective healing and not in this divisive uh, way that our kind of culture and society is really in right now. So, you know, talking about collectively with this healing and, and the desire to show up service, uh, to be of service and kind of when you should naturally show up and start doing this deeper work, how you want to show up and help the people you love and be of service to them and, and bring them on the journey and widen their perspective. And that kind of sends ripples out of healing. What do you, how do you see, you know, the environment collectively that we're in right now and where we're headed over the coming decades and, and how you think we can kind of move through this, this turmoil, this suffering and this collective fear that's just kind of being pushed on us. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, uh, I don't know if there is a right answer to that other than, you know, surround yourself with, with righteous people that are willing to, you know, go on journeys, go on and, and, you know, ask the questions, but not be afraid of the answer. Uh, you know, like, we all are living in a dream, but are you ready to, to, you know, say a prayer and then also embody what that prayer brings back to you? Because, you know, it's not all guaranteed to be home and peace and happiness. You know, you got to be ready to dive in and actually find, find the answers that may not, they may be unsettling and mm-hmm. may not be what you wanted to hear. Um, as I believe, and as my mom taught me, you know, that we're, we're not just this person that's here and then gone. I mean, our, our souls are passed on through generations. I mean, why else would I have the skill set I had to <clears throat> roll to my left and thread a ball between three defenders right to a guy that was running full speed the same way? I mean, somewhere in my line of of ancestors, I was a like completely like diligent and accurate like warrior that could pick somebody apart from uh, with an arrow or a rock or something like so. That's how I figure this. Like mm-hmm. some way. Somewhere in my past lives, I was like a, a extremely accurate or very, um, you know, honed in warrior of some sort. And so now I'm here playing football because why else would I be that? And someone else didn't have that skill or never tapped into it. So, mm. you know, believing in the, that, you know, that we're here now and try to make the most of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm lucky to have had that upbringing. But um, yeah, man, it's 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 an interesting thing to go on these journeys, because like I said, you you're going to ask a question and go in with an intent, but you also have to be willing to understand and be, be answered what that question may be. And it may not be from the 46 years I've been alive. It may be from the DNA passed down to me from my parents and their parents, or it may be something that I dealt with in another life. And Mm -hmm. so you open yourself up and it's an extremely challenging thing, but I think having a community like you're building around that we can, we can talk 
And even if you found, sound like a total idiot talking about it, it's okay because you're just trying to learn. We're all here. Yeah. To learn. And it's the safety of not feeling judged and not judging yourself and being able to have yeah. because You realize you don't really know. And I think that's where a lot of people have this fear is the fear of the unknown. And we desire certainty. We desire comfort. We desire to know what, what we're going to be expecting tomorrow. And in reality, when you fully understand the impermanence of life, like nothing is known. Like it's all unknown. And usually when you start asking these questions, they lead to more questions, right? Like that's the metaphor yeah. of the hydro head. You cut off a hydro head and two heads yeah. bring up and the more you do that. <laughs> and when you're on this journey, it's it's kind of overwhelming and it's frightening to to ask a question it leads to two more questions. And then you start realizing the more I try to know know, the more I realize I don't know. And that's where this this idea of surrendering into that. And that's where real faith comes in, right? Not this like religious faith of like, just trust and have blind faith, but really this earned faith of questioning reality and surrendering into the, oh, there is something happening here. There's some greater intelligence. I don't know what it is. Like we can discuss your past life. And we were talking about hunting and throwing that spear and going to war. Like I was just vibrating. I was like, damn, that is such a cool perspective to even be open to that because most people be like, oh, that's, that's silly. That doesn't make sense. And you don't really know but like, it's, it's fun to explore and to be in the space of curiosity. And I think that's, what's really lost in our culture and society is this curiosity of really exploring the unknown and becoming the creators of reality and knowing we are the infinite potential that has the ability to be here in this experience. And it's a gift and we don't know why or how or where, and to show up and, and live it and be present with it. Yeah. You know, to, to the hard part for me is, is when you, you have people around you that you love and care for and, and you would love for them to be, on a path too, but maybe they're not yet. And so yeah. that's the challenge that we all face is because, I mean, just look at me three years ago, you know, I was at night watching TV, you know, not doing a whole lot of growth, not reading a lot, not doing much of uh, anything creative. Then there's a, a shift in your life or, you know, like a, a needed, a much needed reevaluation of how you're living. And sometimes that could come from, you know, being married and having kids. It was like, Oh, whoa, wait a sec this needs to change because I don't want to lose this, what I've created. So let's, let's do what I need to do to change and evolve and, and become the person I want to become. And so I don't know, turning off the TV for me was, was a huge thing. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not like one that never turns it on. I'll watch some shows, specific shows, but you know, like watching the walking dead, like it does nothing for me. I'm not learning anything from that. And I spent seven, I watched seven seasons of that. And it's like, <laughs> like what was I doing? But you know, that was my path that got me mm. to here. And so like letting people know, like there's no right time to do this. You'll just know when you need it. And so having these kind of outlets and, and uh, you know, streams that people can check out it, it. And when they're athletes that like myself, I've got a lot of fans that, you know, probably think I live a certain way, but they may be shocked to understand I live nothing like that, you know? So mm that when they see me talking like this though, it may open them up to like, oh, let me check that out. Let me see okay. what that's about. Let me just read about, you know, plant medicine. Let me read about yoga or meditating. And, you know, cause I've, I've tried meditation. I did a lot of it when I played, but it wasn't, I didn't call it meditation. It was just visualizations. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd visualize what you wanted to have happen. And that's all meditation is. It's channeling your thoughts and your powers in the right direction. And, so easily it can be going great and then boom, it goes to the left and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, but that's just life. Um, but people just need to know that you can get there and it's not, you know, you don't have to, you know, sit there and, and Lotus pose for hours a day. You just have to become conscious of every moment you're in. And, and really if, if, if we give up the, the, the ego, if you want to call it that, if you give up the feelings that you create when something doesn't go your way or someone does something, if you can give that all up and just be fine with it, you know, you can choose that happy outcome. And I think that's really the first thing that you try to try to accomplish. And it's not easy, you know, mm -hmm. it's just becoming aware of that guy in traffic that cut me off. Now, all of a sudden my blood pressure just spiked and I'm cussing him out. He can't even hear me. Why do I even do that? So those little things start to add up. And when you become aware of them, then you start knocking those out of your life. And then you come into a little bit more of a flow state. Now you feel good and there's moments of peace where then, you know, clarity comes and thoughts come that are important and you come up with great ideas. I'm sure like that's what you did when you went into your van, man, you cleared your, the, the hubris, you cleared everything out and you had moments where you're like, this is what I want to do. Like, holy shit, I just figured this out. And you can't do that. You know, when you're working a, a bad job or when you're turning the TV on and drinking Bud Light on Thursday night, watching the Panthers play the Niners. I mean, mm. great football is good, but, 
make sure you're taking the time to like tap in with your own mental self, mental state and, and where your soul's at. Beautiful, man. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, we're all just walking each other home. And that's, that is really why I'm excited about working with former athletes and really providing, you know, a safe space and container and facilitate this, this deeper healing. Cause we all are our students, we all are teachers. And, you know, for me, like having the foundation of, like you said, like all of the lessons from football, have taught me and had allowed me to have this kind of exponential growth that as soon as I've wake, woken up to it, I, I have the discipline, the ability to understand that I like my mind really affects how I show up during the day. And so working with these athletes, not only are they the role models and leaders of our society, but they have this base foundation of all these practices, but just reframing it and putting that energy instead of externally, internally and showing up and, and learning how to better ourselves can really shift and, and, and send ripples of positive change out into our society and culture, which is really what is needed now more than ever. Yes. And yes. Man, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your, your journey and your wisdom and your knowledge and your experience. And it's really cool to connect with you. Cause I remember watching you when I was a kid and really looked up to you and that I, I look up to you even more now because of the path that you're on. And I'm excited to, to collaborate and share this journey with you and, and really show up and be of service to this, this collective, to this thing that is bigger than ourselves, even though we can't really define it. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. Maybe share uh, where people can find you, connect with you, and what you're working on now. I know you've got a few different projects that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, you can find me in, in Colorado and Idaho, actually in person. Uh, but otherwise, I'm, I'm on Twitter, at Snakes Takes. I think uh, Snake Plumber is my Instagram handle. I don't do a whole lot of that stuff. The last thing I want to be in the, in, in the trees is pulling out my camera, filming some you know clip about you know, what I'm doing. So yep. I do a little bit, I do enough, but uh, I also have been recently, you know, for the last six, seven years working on a, uh, a, a teaching tool for football, a, a digital platform that utilizes all learning styles called ready list sports. And so I've become an entrepreneur. I've become a, you know, a, a VP of operations. So I'm, you know, connecting with teams and coaches and trying to raise funds to keep development going. And so that's been a lot of a real big learning experience more than anything, it's been the experience of learning that that's not what I want to go <laughs> yep. do for a living because <laughs> it's just so cut throat, you know, to try to raise funds and to be the, the, the tool and fight to get a, a, a foothold in, in the NFL and college and what that, whatnot. But we're, we're making really good strides. Uh, recently started a company with uh, a couple of people, you know, uh, a bunch of mushroom company providing, you know, all things mushroom. Right now we're starting with just some supplements, some bars, some, some nutritional uh, you know, products that as you talk and we talk about spiritual journeys, you really have to have a clean body and mind in order to really tap yeah. into that. And mm -hmm. you can't eat bags of Doritos and McDonald's. I mean, maybe you can and still be spiritual and find that, but it definitely helps to clean your body out and realize, you know, we're, we're temples. We're just, we're God, like I said earlier. And we put $3 right now, $370 a gallon gas in our cars and we're really oh i gotta put premium in there and then we buy some shit in the you know convenience store and drink a soda and chips on the way home it's like you're putting crap into your body and premium gas into your car so tapping into like that that uh, knowing that you know when you feed yourself right and you and you eat right you're you'll function at a much higher level and give your brain the ability to to do the things you want to do. And, you know, like I said, I'm kind of trying to reverse aging and because we beat ourselves up quite a bit playing ball. And so the mushroom company is really about a new approach to life as far as like a compassionate company that wants to give back, wants to provide, uh, you know, these products to people that are, are interested in really making a difference in their own lives and lives of others. So that's been a lot of fun. And then, you know, the challenges that you'll find out as you, uh, you have a youngster right now, as they get older and you have, one or two or three, whatever it is, you know, that's a huge responsibility. So taking 100% responsibility on what you do there. Uh, I try to be the best dad I can be, even though, you know, there's times I throw interceptions or fumble the ball, but you know, I'm going to get back out and go like, you know, go, go do it until coach pulls me off the field, uh, which hopefully doesn't happen anytime soon. So yeah, life is pretty good. Uh, you know, as far as just the challenges that come each day. And as you know, man, the spiritual journey doesn't stop. Uh, my, my couple guys I work with, my guru, he laughs because I'm like, when can I just be at peace? He's like, good luck with that. You'll never be there. <laughs> daily work. It's daily to just make sure you're, you're, you know, living in living the way you want. And so, you know, the listeners out there know that it's not, 
you know, something you have to devote two, three hours a day to, unless you have that time and you get into that space, great. But just five minutes of breathing, sitting down, closing your eyes, whatever, it can be, can be a game changer for you. Just as it was when I worked with CBD to take down, you know, that pain threshold just a little bit and former athletes by taking the oils that get you up off your couch. And all of a sudden now you're outside. And then in a week later, you're golfing again. And you never thought you would golf ever again. Well, it's just, it's starting that process and being open, not being afraid and not being stuck in your ideals, uh, you know, break away from those, um, break, break out of those chains and go be the, the person you, 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 that you're meant to be here on earth while you're, while you're still here. <laughs> Beautiful, man. I couldn't have said it better. Um, right it definitely, definitely resonates. If you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, a good way to support this podcast is leave a five-star review, say a few nice words. And if there's anything in this podcast that resonated with you, go ahead and share it with somebody that it might have a positive impact on. Cause like we said, is we're all walking each other home and it's really about continuing to get curious and, you know, surround yourself with this positive, uplifting content and with other people who have your best interests at heart and who are building you up and, you know, getting curious. And, and it's going to take all of us to really shift where we're at in the world and really excited to be on this journey with you, Jake, and I really appreciate you taking the time, brother. Okay, Joe. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And everyone out there, remember, there's no opposite to love. Love is what we all need a lot more of. So keep spreading the love, Joe. I love what you're doing, man. And uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do this finally. Hope to see you soon. Oh, absolutely. My man. Thanks, brother. right i hope you guys enjoyed that episode i know i did that was definitely one of my favorites i really appreciate jake for showing up for opening up for being vulnerable and sharing his journey and just inspiring others including me uh to continue to show up and uh, be of service to this world um and really trying to shift the collective narrative and do this deeper healing work really really inspiring um definitely go check out him all that stuff's in the show notes and uh like i said at the beginning of the podcast if you really like this podcast and it resonated with you and you think it might have a positive impact on somebody you know please share it with them and some really simple way to support me is go leave a five-star review that's all i'm gonna say about that peace